Van fans, welcome to another episode of VFF's Van Life Podcast. This is going to be a bit of a noisy intro because in my wisdom I decided to come to a really busy car park. Also there's a man mowing the lawn that's here. So it's kind of noisy so apologies for that. But you know what, this is real life. I'm I'm in my camper van, it's real, it's on the spot, journalism at its truest. So hooray for me for deciding to come here, especially on this episode, which I wanted to be like perfect. But do you know what? Life ain't perfect. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, so today guys, I'm so excited because I'm talking to you about the absolute classic VW Type camper van. So the VW Type 2 is something that we all know, we all recognise. It was actually one of the first ever camper vans and that is just amazing, the fact that it's still so popular today. So here is a history of the VW Type 2 camper van. The Volkswagen Type 2 known officially as the Transporter, Combi or Microbus, was released in 1950 by the German automaker Volkswagen as its second car model, the first being the Type 1 Beetle. Like the Beetle, the van has received numerous nicknames worldwide, including the Microbus, Minibus and Hippiebus. The concept for the Type 2 is credited to Dutch Volkswagen importer Ben Pon. Pon visited Wolfsburg in 1946, intending to purchase Type 1s for import to the Netherlands, where he saw a Plattenwagen, an improvised parts mover based on the Type 1, and he realised that something better was possible. He first sketched the van in a doodle dated 23rd of April 1947, proposing a payload of 690 kilograms and placing the driver at the very front. Volkswagen approved the van for production on the 19th of May 1949 and the T2 made its debut at the Geneva Motor Show and went on sale the following year in 1950. It was a stylish if unexpected design, a scientifically streamlined utility vehicle with a 1.1cc air-cooled engine hidden under the floor at the back and with the driver perched over the front wheels holding a big bus-style steering wheel. The T2 thrummed along accompanied by its distinctive VW beat at 60 miles an hour, carrying up to a tonne while weighing little more itself. It was quiet inside while the rear-mounted engine provided impressive traction, enabling the vehicle to pull away happily in sand or snow. The VW Type 2 became popular with the counterculture of the 1960s thanks to its ability to transport a large group of people while being cheap and easy to maintain. Its design was simple yet spacious, thanks largely to the rear-mounted engine. The van became popular with young people because it allowed a group of people to travel comfortably and was big enough to live in, so it could be used for long-distance journeys such as to music festivals or surfing locations. 
It contrasted starkly with the large, low sedans that were normal at the time, giving the van an alternative and rebellious image. Vans were often painted with extravagant designs in bright colours, making them stand out on the road even more. The hippie van remains iconic today, thanks to being featured on the cover of albums by musicians such as Bob Dylan and the Beach Boys, and being used by fans of the Grateful Dead while following the band on tour. But most iconic of all, the music festival Woodstock, which was held in the summer of 1969, saw plenty of brightly painted VWs transporting excited young crowds. The VW Type 2 was in production for 56 years in total, with its last 600 special final editions being produced in Brazil. Whilst the later models of the VW campervan may not have quite the iconic status of the Type 2, they remain massively successful, selling in huge numbers and still enjoying the same loyal following. For me, the VW Type 2 evokes feelings of the open road, festivals, ultimate freedom, the dream of the never-ending summer road trip. It makes me think about a simpler life close to nature, full of surfing, music and friends. The VW Type 2 evokes a dream and keeps it alive, a dream that many of us van life folk believe in deeply. And in many ways, we have the VW Type 2 to thank for inspiring a generation of free thinkers and alternative lifestyles. So to Ben Pon, I say thank you for doodling the Type 2 and dreaming that something incredible could happen. There you go, that was just a brief history of the lovely VW Type 2 campervan. If you would like to find out more about the VW Type 2, or if you would like to see the doodle that Ben Pond drew, you can go to benpon.com and then click on the history tab and you'll see the actual doodle that he did. And it's so cool because it has everything, you know? It's just a simple drawing, but it's got the rear engine, it's got the steering wheel right up top. It's so cool. It's got the classic shape, literally from the first doodle he ever did. And do you know what I loved about that story? It's the fact that we've all been there, you know? If you own a van, and if especially if you've done your own van build, you, we've all been there with a notepad and a pen and we've just scribbled a rough drawing of something and we've got a dream and we know what we want to create and that simple drawing turns into something amazing that we build ourselves and I just love the fact that today you can still see that doodle so I really would recommend going on um, benpond.com on the history tab to see the doodle and also you can see a picture of the Plattenwagen which is what inspired him that dog in the background there obviously agrees with me so yeah I would really recommend going on there and having a look I'm going to read out an email from a listener who owns a VW Type 2. This is from Chris. Hi Kat, I discovered your podcast over the last few days and I'm really enjoying it. It's refreshing to hear a podcast from a UK van lifer rather than the usual Americans. Thanks. I've been interested in van life for years now, but I haven't had the guts to take the plunge yet. I bought a 77 VW in 2011 after I got a bonus from work. It was a bit of a wreck, but I smartened it up, built an interior, and I've been using it all the time since 2016 for surfing at the weekends, so it does plenty of miles too. 
I live near Warrington in the northwest, so my nearest surf break is Porth. I really don't know how to pronounce this. Porth Nigel. Apologies, all you Welsh listeners. Abersock in North Wales. It's about a 240 mile round trip, so it really adds up over a year. Not bad for a 44 year old van, I'm quite proud. At the time, I didn't have the money to restore it professionally and I can't weld, so I just repaired it as best as I could. The biggest problem was around the windows on the sides, there was so much rust there, I don't know how the glass hadn't fallen out. I had to replace the glass with perspex as the repairs aren't flexible enough to twist the rubber seals over them. It might not be the perfect way to do things, but I really enjoyed doing it and it's held up very well about eight years since I finished it now. It's so nice driving around in something that seems to make people happy. Lots of thumbs up and waves from people. I love the colour too. They're proper VW shades. I just painted it with spray cans. Driving to Abersock so often, I've got faith in my old bus. I really expected the reliability to be a problem, but it just shrugs off almost weekly 250 mile round trips. So don't believe everything you hear about the old V-dubs being a nightmare. Hope you're finding some good spots to stay and getting plenty of subscribers. Thanks Chris, thank you so much for writing to me. So you can see pictures of Chris's lovely VW on my Instagram which is at VFFs underscore van life underscore podcast. If you would like to write to me about your van or if you would like to talk to me on the podcast you can email vffspodcast at gmail.com that's vffs podcast at gmail.com. So on to today's guests. I chat with the wonderful Lee and Willow, also known as the Combi Chronicles. Lee, Willow and their rescue cat Amy have been road tripping around the US and Mexico ever since they shipped their 1976 VW to the US a year and a half ago. We chat all about their adventures, hanging out in Baja, California and the kindness of strangers. It was such a pleasure to talk to these guys. It just inspired me so much. I'm absolutely desperate to go on a US road trip and it was so lovely to hear some UK van life people that have done that because they are few and far between. It's quite a long chat as well, so I hope you really enjoy it. We discuss so many different things and they have some really lovely experiences to share. So without further ado, here is the episode with... The Combi Chronicles. Lee, Willow and Amy, welcome to VFFs. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, we're excited to speak to you. Yeah. Brilliant. So I want to start right at the beginning. How did you meet and when did you get the idea for this amazing trip? okay how did we meet well that's so romantic lovely romantic story <laughs> yeah I'll let you... oh okay and probably one of the grottiest nightclubs in birmingham uh... yeah an indie <laughs> club called snobs yeah the kind where you stick to the floor and the vodka's like two pound a shot that kind of place so we met there two in... pound a shot that's like four shots no yeah that's a double yeah yeah <laughs> come on <laughs> that was uh, in what 2012 yeah we met there yeah, outside and uh yeah it's kind of escalated i guess yeah and then we realized we had a lot of common interests 
and as the longer we were together we started talking about maybe traveling yeah I think I always really wanted to travel and you never really traveled I'd done a little bit yeah I'd never really traveled and I'd had at the time I met you I had like two different job offers for Dubai and Italy because I wanted to get abroad yeah and I'd done a little bit and I really wanted to do some more but I never really thought about doing it in a camper I was probably more thinking backpacking or something yeah and I think then, I think the, the living in a van came about at your parents over yeah Christmas. I think my mum who suggested it like off the cuff or something yeah we were talking about how I liked VWs yeah and... you always like VWs I didn't really care much. you just wanted to travel yeah I wasn't really bothered and I think my mum suggested something about uh, why people, don't you go to America or something people travel across America yeah. and then you can hire them a, and yeah the idea was born it kind of grew from there into actual reality oh brilliant that's funny because uh, my next question was going to be um, what did your friends and family think but it sounds like your mum was well on board before you guys were I'm not sure she expected I, us to do it no. I don't think, I she, think she actually thought we would go ahead and commit to it and a lot of our friends and family are all a a bit kind of surprised I think yeah they weren't they weren't quite sure they were like what you want I mean I think our friends and family not so much because they know us but it's like random people who are like you gave up your job and you are you sure that that's a good idea yeah um when I I was at school I kept I was teaching primary school and I was very fortunate to constantly uh every year have a little promotion a bit more responsibility and then it was like right I'm leaving to travel North America in our little VW I've always been supportive I think but I think at this point then you start kind of missing each other as well though it's been a while now but I think overall mainly people probably kind of jealous right now because we can actually do something and everyone else is stuck at home so so you decided you wanted to do something with the van. How did you get your beautiful VW van, Ruby? Where did you find her? We found her on Gumtree of all places, didn't we? Yeah, we looked at eBay and they were a lot more expensive. And there was, and then we were looking at them on Gumtree, but half of them on Gumtree were um, fake, like stolen, yeah, fake. Account. We messaged some people and like there was different campers and you messaged them but then you got like the same weird response like like, oh i'm in scotland and you can send like half the money you're like okay yeah and then we clearly not we were we had a half-term holiday booked in anglesey and we yeah we stopped off she was in manchester wigan way yeah and we wanted to obviously see it first to check it existed because there's quite a lot of problems with illegal ones of these you know like people steal them and try and sell them or yeah. they don't exist and yeah we found it on Gumtree we went to look at it in the dark in the dark and we spent really, about half an yeah, hour yeah in a massive rush because we just wanted to go on holiday <laughs> so that was a, probably a bad decision but yeah. um and it then, was definitely a bad decision yeah we we liked it and we agreed to it from there didn't we yeah and we confirmed it while we were on holiday brilliant and when you were looking for the VW did you already have the idea of going to North America yeah I think by that point because we we knew we wanted to renovate it ourselves so we could have a custom interior and then ship it because we get a lot of people ask us don't we like why don't you just buy one over in North Mm. America they're everywhere 
and we rented one before we bought Ruby to make sure we enjoyed it. And yeah, because it... it's such a small space to live in, you got to try that out and make sure you can actually manage to live in yeah, it. Yeah, and like having the idea is fine, but if in in like practical sense you're like, God, this is horrible. I can't stand it. Yeah. So that we, would be we hired one in Wales and we loved it. And then we that was it. Then we were like, yeah, we're going to buy it, we'll renovate it, and then we'll ship it over. You actually renovated it yourselves. So that's so cool. So um, this might be a good time to ask you a little bit about Ruby. Um, what kind of van exactly is she? Um, what engine does she have? And what facilities do you have in the van? So she is a 1976 bay window from budapest late bay model late bay yeah so she was we didn't import her to the uk she was already imported we bought her with i think we have like two pieces of paperwork yeah there's like no history no paperwork really nothing she's left-hand drive she's left-hand drive because yeah she's from budapest which suits us in north america yeah which we what was actually quite a bonus because we spend most of our time on the other side anyway and then uh the engine is a conversion it was a two liter air-cooled engine that came with it and i swapped it to a two liter subaru engine which is a water-cooled mod more yeah modern. Uh, it's like a 2001 engine as opposed to a 1976 engine so yeah modern engine conversion yeah, quite controversial that in the vw world <laughs> yes you upset some people doing that yeah it's seen as a sin to take out the classic air-cooled which is what they're renowned for but you get half and half half the people are like oh yeah that was a good thing and then half the people are like completely outraged that you messed with vw's amazing design but yeah For it's practical sense and re- i say reliability but yeah overall... we had a few issues but yeah it's nice to have a little bit more uh power as well because with all of our stuff we have a lot more weight than you know we would normally have had yeah we fitted um a solid wood interior which we we built in willow's dad's sort of wood shop we saw one at a VW festival and we, as soon as we saw it, didn't we? We were like, that's what we wanted. Yeah, it was so nice. And we were like, it's kind of practical because if you scratch it or you damage it, you can just kind of sand it down and fix it. Whereas if you have some laminate thing, it's kind of looks Yeah, you see it starts, the older it gets, the vinyl starts peeling yeah, off. Yeah, we thought it was kind of practical, but they were so expensive. I think they started at 5,000 and we were like, that's just not happening. So we decided to make it ourselves. Yeah, and your dad found us a tree from a mate, had a wood yard. We picked it out in a... Yeah, literally like, like the whole tree. And then he got it planked and dried it. And then we went and used all his machines to build our interior. Yeah, we've got a... Because it's our full-time home, we've got a pretty comprehensive setup, don't we? We've got a Dometic uh, compressor fridge. Yeah. A diesel, a Wallace diesel heater. Yeah, it's like a marine heater and, and cooker combined. And we picked that because of space-saving issues. <laughs> yeah, we saw it at a VW festival again, and we were very impressed. We've got a sink. We've got a Nature's Head composting toilet on board. Yeah. Um, free uh victron leisure batteries yeah massive solar panel on the roof that's <laughs> the size of the entire camper and the shower mm-hmm. yeah we have a road shower yeah yeah oh that's amazing that sounds so cool i've never heard of um a heater and a cooker in one can you talk me through that a little bit how it works yeah so um wallace is the make 
it's mainly they do marine boat things but they do this one that's supposed to be for a camper we saw it at bus fest in the Malvins. Um, we thought it was really neat and it was quite cool that you don't have to have gas on board because sometimes you know you have to have like gas safety or you're limited you can't go through tunnels yeah you, and... you can't leave it on at night if it's yeah like it's maybe a gas. little bit dodgy to do that for the heating and also the space taken up by a gas bottle would kind of take away one of our cupboards so this only takes up on it like 12 inches yeah it's only a, we've, deep we've got a separate diesel fuel tank that we've installed yeah it's just so like we a... 10 litre little tank and i've managed to half sink it in the floor to take up less room it's meant for other they put it in the modern yeah um, diesel engines yeah and then you just run it straight from the fuel tank so if you don't have a diesel camper you have to put in a secondary fuel tank but it barely uses any fuel no fuel uh we can leave it running all night there's one of the other selling points i think when we first saw it was that and like an open flame heater, there's no condensation. Oh yeah, when we rented the other camper at the start, it was just always so soggy in the pop top because of the gas. It was just wet and then you'd roll over and you'd touch this like soggy tent in the middle of the night and it was really <laughs> horrible. And it's really good. It's like a convection hob almost, isn't it? So it's like a ceramic take, yeah. hob. It's so it's basically, it's two hobs. Uh, one hotter than the other you can control the like temperature of them both at the same time but not individually and then you put the like a lid folds down over the top and then it blows the hot air out like from the top of the hob into the camper as the heating system and you can control that with a thermostat yeah we were in Mesa Verde and it was minus 15 outside and the thermostat inside was reading uh, plus 18 so yeah very space efficient can I ask, what was the process of getting the van over to the US like? Well, we what did we do? First, we looked at how we would put it on the boat. So we got a couple of quotes for a container. Yeah. Like, you know, a proper shipping container. But they were very expensive. I think they were about three and a half thousand just for the container. Wow. And then you've got to pay for like... Um, loading and unloading. And the fuel for the boat and the import fees. And so it starts getting a bit crazy. And then we found another shipping company and they do row row like roll on roll off so they just drive it on park it and drive it off the other end it doesn't go inside the container it's just yeah, it's on. more like a ferry yeah it's so it's a lot cheaper because it's not as secure yeah and then the uh person we spoke to put us through to a broker in new york yeah who organized the like unloading and the tax exemption uh because if you're traveling and if you ship to america and you're traveling you can pay for a 12-month tax exemption for all, like your road tax and stuff whilst you're over there. We're having a few problems with it yeah, now. Yeah, I would not recommend shipping to America for anyone else. No. <laughs> but, yeah, it's doable, but it's only a year. Um, so, the yeah, we had the ferry, the boat guy put us in contact with the customs guy. He sorted port charges, import, everything like that, and basically gave us the bill, and then we had to pay the freight company separately yeah it wasn't too difficult it was really easy um the company we use uh kingston shipping were yeah really good. they were good and i think the worst part was they have to wait till it's quite close like we were trying to get quotes like six months before and trying to you know look into it and then they were like message us a month before you want to go and it was very yeah because the fuel prices change yeah. and stuff but no it was it wasn't stressful no it was fine we paid a couple of thousand two and a half thousand yeah to get it here 
um, but it will be cheaper to take it home because when we go back, we don't have to pay the import because it is a, a UK registered vehicle still. So it's right, cheaper. We have to pay for like tax exemptions. Yeah, we have to pay for that. So it's cheaper to go the other way. What exactly? How does it work then when you go to the US with your van? Um, so it's still registered in the UK. How does that work with like MOTs and stuff? Like at the moment, in terms of the UK, it's declared off road. So we've sawned it because ah, we didn't okay. want to, obviously, if you don't sawn it, then you need to pay like insurance and stuff like that. So we said the vehicle is off road. We haven't said that we've exported it or anything because it's only temporary. No, it's, it's like if you yeah. take your normal car to like France for a short period of time, you don't. Do or you just different. like they don't know the difference between it being here or it being parked up in somewhere in yeah. England. Like the point is, it's not on the road. So and on the American side, there's not really any like requirements for. No, because it's a temporary import. You don't have to meet anything of the American. Yeah, you don't have to do like the equivalent for an American MOT. Not that they really have one. They don't really care. Unless you're in California. Yeah, apart from that. <laughs> So it's fine. And then when we get back home, we'll just have to get it like driven straight to a garage or put it somewhere on a trailer on a trailer because it won't be road legal when we get off the boat. What about the visas in the United States and Mexico? How does that work when you're there for a long time? For the US, you have to go to the embassy in London and make an application for a visa. Yeah, and if, if you want more than the three months that you can get with an ESTA, you have to do the full on b2 visa and then you have to do like all this online stuff that asks you if you're a terrorist and have you ever had like small children (laughs) the questions are so ridiculous (laughs) they're like have you trafficked children have you been involved in genocide recently oh yeah (laughs) one of the questions but you do all that you go to the embassy they interrogate you like twice and then yeah that was kind of intimidating you they were like why do you want to go to the u.s we want to ship our vw over and live in it and it was like why and he's like, that doesn't sound practical. Why would you want to do that? I don't know. They just want to make sure. It's just very, I don't know what the word is, but they want to intimidate you, I think. Yeah, to wean out like, anyone. You pay all that money. And then even at the immigration thing in London, they're like, oh, just because you have a visa doesn't mean you're going to have access to the country. What was his quote? It's like, it's like the invitation to the party, but you still have to get past the bouncer. Yeah, it's what he said to us. So we're like, okay, that's... <laughs> great but we we got we were we got approved and we were given uh, a 10-year visa which we can we can use for six months at a time and then you need a break in between yeah they say about the same the amount of time you should it depends on the, it's the, all it's who you get border. on the border that's all i think in any country if you're going over land borders it's whoever you get on the border so we spent five months in America and then we went into Mexico because we were going to, it's a 30 day minimum time that you have to be out before you can try and go back in. So we planned f- five weeks in Baja last February. Mm-hmm. And then Corona hit. And we've been in Mexico for 17 months now. So with the Mexican visa, Mexico is a very different country to the States in terms <laughs> to any of, country. yeah, it's, basically you can pay for whatever you want um they don't really care that much and it's been a bit hard for us to get our heads around i think because when you get a visa for mexico again it's six months standard and then that's it 
and, and that's Corona it. hit, so we got another six months humanitarian visa, technically. Yeah, as so we were technically Mexican refugees for a bit, but you have to overstay your <laughs> visa before you're even allowed to apply, which always feels a bit. And they've they've taken that back now. Yeah, now they say you can't do humanitarian visa because COVID is no longer a thing. Said no the lady in her mask to me, <laughs> like, okay. Um, so we are currently. We don't have a visa. We're technically illegal. Yeah, but we, we went to the immigration office. The immigration office before our visa ran out advised us that we can overstay our visa. So they actually tell you to do that. Yeah, and they say you, you, if you leave by plane, you'll pay a small yeah, fine. Yeah, you have to pay a fine potentially. Which isn't that much. And we went to the immigration office yesterday to see if we could get a new visa. And he was like, yeah, you can. Basically, you just have to pay quite a lot of money for it. But... He also told us not to worry how to avoid the border <laughs> controls and get a visa on the Guatemalan border. So it's, it's very different. Yeah, it's very, very different. We're traveling with some other Europeans and a Swiss guy we're traveling with who's in a, a Land Rover. Uh, he went into an airport and he went up to the visa office and the guy was like, go to the toilet, put a thousand pesos in your passport and i'll give you a new visa let's start with the us so um you say you spent five months in the us sure so we started in new york on the east coast yeah which we did a we, we planned an unusual route most people from europe they do the pan america so they do canada and down you go halifax in canada canada and then you drive across Canada and then you do the west coast of America and down to like Argentina this is like I didn't even know this thing existed until we met all these people doing it but we didn't do that at all the initial plan yeah was to now do we're a, on plan to, like Z <laughs> to do a circle of the US yeah. and Canada and ship back from the east coast of Canada yeah we plan to come into New York drive the coast of America like around the coast kind of chasing the summer go into canada and then cross canada and leave in the summer and then, from the other yeah. from halifax we started new york i had a friend from birmingham living in pennsylvania in uh, pittsburgh yeah so we first went a little bit north a little bit north saw niagara falls and then went to pittsburgh and we had like a reunion with some friends which was weird because some friend other friends from england came to meet us as well so we had some like friendly faces within like a few weeks of already being there yeah and then we basically from there we went we cut across to dc we went south we went into the mountains for a little bit to watch all the autumn colors and stuff went down to florida and key west yeah then we uh, we went right down to key the... west was strange you've gone from we were in winter well autumn and orange leaves and really wet cold and then you drive the bridge to key west and there's iguanas sunbathing on the side of the road there's definitely a contrast <laughs> and then so, you do yeah, swamp we went... tours in the everglades and see crocodiles yes we saw all sorts so we went to this most southern point and then we went back up the other the west coast of florida and then across around the peninsula to louisiana texas mississippi yeah like across the bottom and then a bit more into like new mexico we did a brief colorado we did four corners yeah some of the deserts arizona nevada we did like death valley and some of the national parks but we were there around christmas so some of the stuff was starting to get shut down for the weather like half the grand canyon is shut that time of the year and the north side yeah you know there's some like you can't access some of the sequoia things because it's mm. shut and then christmas your parents flew over and met us in las vegas yeah and then we went to the 
VW Festival and then I think it was at the VW Festival pretty much we started thinking that actually going into Canada right now is probably a really bad well, idea. We finished off with your parents in San Francisco and we met the British couple, Pete and Carol. That's true, we met them and they're from and they, Canada. Yeah, they live in Alberta and we were saying, oh, our visa runs out at, in February, we're going to go into Canada. And they were like, don't do it, it's cold. Why do you think we're here? <laughs> and then we went to the VW Festival That's and met a uh, load more people who said, why on earth are you going to Canada in February? And then we met some more people who said that and we were like, maybe we should. Yeah, they were like, you're really close to Baja. Go to Baja for five weeks, have some sun, eat some tacos, drink tequila yeah. and then come back. So that was, uh, and then we drove south and left America. So that was how kind of slightly haphazard route yeah. around the States. We, we're using an app called Polarceps, which tracks it. And ours is just this weird zigzag going back and forth on ourselves for a while until we figured out. But in terms of, uh, the facilities and driving there I mean it was okay for us because our car is meant for these driving yeah. on the other side the, east, the northeast coast was hard to find places to park that were free we did a lot of Walmarts because mm. we didn't have iOverlander which no, is an app we use a lot now which is really good for camp spots yeah, but we... there's quite good facilities in America you can stay in like 80% of Walmart car parks yeah for free and there's some nice campsites as well, but they get, you know, it's more a treat. So maybe like $30 a night and you're like, well, there's no way I could sustain that for a very long time. Not on our budget, no. But generally to find <laughs> stuff like water is fine. And we kind of tried to build our campus so we didn't need any campsites. Like that was yeah. the point was we were off grid. We didn't want to have to rely on paying for facilities. Uh, when you start getting towards like uh, New Mexico, Colorado. It's, yeah, it's that's easier. fine. But then California again is hard. So yeah, which is strange because we met so many people and I've read so many books of people living in campers in California, and it sounded like the paradise. You park on the beach and you surf all day, and you don't move for three weeks, and it's a really good vibe. And then we got there, and there's all these signs saying no camping on the streets and fines if you stay in a car park past like 11 p.m. So it was a bit of a yeah, you always found somewhere. Yeah. We never paid. We paid maybe like once a month for a nice campsite. I think apps were always the best. We had that Van Alert app as well, which was... Oh, yeah, we stayed on some driveway hosts. Yeah, and they were lovely. They let us use their facilities and tools. Yeah. And we met some... We've got some really good friends from mm -hmm. that now. Definitely. So you use Van Alert and iOverlander. Were there any other apps that you used that you found handy? Those are the main Those ones. are the main ones, because in... England and France, we used Park for Night, and that was in America. It just told it was you just Walmart. Walmart yeah, it wasn't much on it. <laughs> Iverlander is it's brilliant, huge, and it's pretty much everyone we meet uses that. It's yeah. got a really good range of stuff on it, and yeah, that's good. And Vanilla is cool if you have a VW because it's kind of more for the VW community. community. Um, I don't think probably if you message them, but it's meant. Original, like yeah. it's a VW thing. Tells you where VW garages are and stuff. Yeah, and you can go and camp with people who own VWs and that kind of thing. So that's good if you have one of those. You talked about DC earlier. DC is where you found your little kitten, Amy. Can you tell me a little bit about um, where you found her? Yeah. In England, we have two cats who were strays and we took in and rehomed. They're looked after with... Uh, someone back in England right now and we thought oh maybe we can have a little cat in the camper we miss our cats and... yeah it, from 
when the day we picked up Ruby, we went to the supermarket and we bought uh, like a couple of sachets of cat food. And we were like, ah, oh, we hear all these stories about stray animals in America. Maybe we'll just stumble across like a, a kitten. Yeah, we kind of thought, oh, we'll just find one. And then after like in. a couple of months, it was clear that you're not just going to find one. No, and we <laughs> followed a lot of Instagram accounts of people who travel with cats. So we knew it was possible. And then... I started getting a bit more desperate. So I looked on the equivalent to Gumtree, which is Craigslist. And there was a guy in uh, about an hour away from DC who was rehoming uh, kittens. It was like their last chance before they send them to like an incinerator. I think they oh already got gosh. it. They came from a kill shelter. So a lot of the ones in America, they're, they, yeah, they kill them if there's no one takes them because there's too many. They literally just burn them, which is really horrible. So it, yeah, it was really a shame and we went and we met the guy and he had a, a litter and initially we agreed to adopt a, a, a really small kitten who looked really ill and we took her we named her molly and from the first day that we had molly we could tell she wasn't well at all she had like really bad runny eye and she was sneezing and she had really bad like diarrhea yeah, yeah. she wasn't very well and unfortunately she only like lived three or four days four days days. um and then we messaged the guy and said look we we knew she wasn't well and you never gave us any of the documents to say she'd been vaccinated of a dodgy business model i think yeah and then he said well i've just got another one who's a lot healthier if you want to drive back up to dc and we were about five or six hours away from all of that yeah so we drove back up and we were like we we were really torn because we were really upset about Molly, but we just, we had all that love to give. So we went back up and we And like, we had to pay. So yeah. we were like, if we don't go now, we would have to pay again later. Or we weren't sure if they would give us one because we thought maybe they're going to look at you and be like, oh, you're in a camper van. You're not... Not a permanent resident. Yeah, you're not a proper home for a cat. Like you can't have a cat. That's so we, okay. we went back and we saw Amy and we were a bit unsure at the start, like how we would feel and then like the moment he brought her out and she like sat on your hand we were like yep yeah and then we had her ever since yeah she was about six weeks old when we got her yeah around which was perfect for us because we thought if we got a cat that young she would just adapt to the lifestyle because she doesn't know anything else and she has really really well she loves it she really likes traveling actually she does she gets really uh upset when we stay for longer than a couple of days yeah she wants to move <laughs> do you use like a harness or anything or do you just let her like run around we have both so she has a harness and she is fine with that she's been on that since she was a baby yeah we and we have taken her on walks more in america where it's cooler uh yeah, it's a, bit hot a lot of our time her. in mexico she spends time in the camper in shade most of the campsites and camp spots that we get to we just let her out as long as it's yeah like right now she's just i'm not even sure where she is she's She's wandering around the car she just has free roam she never gets like lost or anything no she she never wanders off always comes back like we've never had a problem with that we were a bit scared at first like oh if she just runs away and she doesn't get it but she always comes back so it's just if there's some dogs or if we're in a city or something like that we won't let her out obviously but no we have the only problem we've ever had and she got pretty badly injured was we were saying goodbye to an American couple in Baja and they lived next door to a building site and the owner had some very, very poorly looked after guard dogs 
and somehow she found a way through the fence and got in and they pinned her in a corner and bit her and broke her leg. That's That was not nice, but luckily I got there in time to yeah. distract them so she could I mean, we try and pick spots that are good for her too when we camp. We try yeah. and go places where we can let her out because obviously it's not fair to shut her no, in the camper she, it, all day. She's part of this now, so oh wow that's so lucky that you managed to get her in time gosh that must have been a really scary moment is there a real standout moment this might be different for both of you i don't know but what were your favorite what was your favorite moment from your time in the u.s i'm gonna say when our windscreen completely exploded on the i-10 it sounds like an odd thing to pick yeah <laughs> but, uh, uh we were driving um from florida to louisiana to go to new orleans and out of nowhere our windscreen completely shattered we and had it a turns big out hole. it wasn't um it wasn't laminated you know that you know they should have the plastic on them to stop them all falling apart if they break and ours wasn't so it just exploded and was literally about to just fall, fall in into the us. camper in like bits and it was like friday we pulled over on the rest area and we spent ages trying to find a replacement and we were getting nowhere we and all of a sudden we heard like a an air-cooled car pull up next to us and they looked out the curtain and there's this VW and this young couple get out. The guy comes over and with a slight American accent, he went, bloody hell, what's going on here? <laughs> and it turned out he was from Telford, like an hour down the road from where we lived in Birmingham. And he moved to America to be with his dad like 10 years prior. And Sam worked with VWs, broke VWs. And he was like, oh, I've just broke a VW. I think they've got a spare and windscreen. And he happened to fit windscreens. Yeah. And he phoned someone was like, yep. Yeah, I can get a v- I can get a window in an hour. So he drove off, came back an hour later. It's now like nine o'clock on a Friday on a rest area. He swapped it for us, and we asked him, "Do you want? Can we give you any money?" He was like, "No, no, it's fine." And then he was like, "My uh, VW club are having a, a Thanksgiving like camping session in a national park like down the road. Do you guys want to join us?" And we were like, "Yeah, that sounds amazing." So we like went from having a broken window and potentially sleeping on a rest area to meeting a load of other vw enthusiasts really meeting nice sam's people. dad and the guy who gave us the free windscreen yeah. was there and, and was... yeah we we made loads of new friends so it was really like a turnaround and for me i think that would be one of my best memories it was just a really cool example of what you can have if you belong to that vw community it was we couldn't believe it was happening we were like really i think one of the places that was the nicest that was like the deserts monument valley out there oh yeah like there was something really cool about like waking up in the middle of absolutely nothing at all and there's nobody there and it's no just traffic. like red rocks around you the and place you don't want to break down and then <laughs> our belt broke yeah well <laughs> but that was just a really really just nice place to be it was really cool i really want to go back there and do that a bit more did you meet a lot of people traveling doing the same thing what is the community like over there in the u.s uh, we met one of a like european traveling couple and that was in uh we just left louisiana yeah it was like a german and english couple and that was it really i think if we'd done a different route then maybe we'd have met more people but then again saying that our 
friends that we are now traveling with they did that route and, and they, they didn't, didn't meet many me. people at all in america so we met a lot of van life people who have their campers and they they do camp outs and they go away for a little bit but they're not like kind full of full time which is completely different to our experience in baja and in baja we barely had a night by ourselves it was we spent three nights by ourselves and then we met a, a swiss and german couple david and katie and then from there, we met a retired English couple who were living full time in their camper. And then we met, we went to a, there was a, another app called like the Van Life app, which we don't really use, but they were having a meeting in the southern part of the peninsula and they were collecting trash and like meeting other van lifers. And then we got to see turtles release. So we met them and then we had for a, we went from six months pretty much by ourselves to traveling with like seven camper vans yeah i mean even now we're traveling with two other camper vans yeah and we've met others along the way we've met a lovely french family yeah we met a lot of people when we were in mexico but in america no not really brilliant okay so let's move on to mexico so you've been in mexico for 12 months have you traveled around much in mexico we have now yeah we spent eight months in baja three of which were on a ranch we only really we traveled maybe like a month in baja before covid before covid started becoming an issue then we tried to like stay somewhere a little bit more permanently but the Police kind of kept throwing us out and telling us to go home and everything. And then we stayed on a ranch. We what found this lovely Canadian, yeah, Canadian couple. couple. They let us stay on their ranch for free, and we stayed there for like three, four. Yeah, months. and we 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 helped out on the ranch in return for staying there. And then so we toured Baja very comprehensively, the southern the point, southern yeah. part. And then we were starting to get ready to test the waters and move a bit, and we did, and it was a lot better. And we made the decision to get the ferry over to mainland um and then our engine blew up yeah we got the ferry on halloween basically yeah we had to wait a month to replace the engine block and then we got the ferry to mainland and then we were traveling clear about this the engine blew up in baja yeah and then we were traveling for a month in mainland and we went up a twelve thousand feet volcano and drove all the way to pretty much to the top and then coming down we blue parts of the engine again you gotta stop saying it like we did it and then we spent (laughs) another month with a lovely mexican family waiting for more parts and then since we got her back on the road on christmas eve yeah and since then we've been moving around a lot so we went from mazatlan down the west coast and then kind of inland towards guadalajara and like all up across the top and now we've come down south puebla yeah and then we've come west to like the southwest yes so we've covered a fair part of mainland mexico now yeah oh that sounds so amazing and how have you found driving in mexico and what is it like with regards to the facilities is there anything for camper vans there or the roads are horrible oh the speed bumps (laughs) and and they are everywhere and they're all like completely different sizes. Like some of them are like literally like a foot high and some of them are tiny and some of them are marked and some of them are like surprise ones. Like that is just very irritating when you drive. So you can kind of pick the toll roads and avoid them, but obviously you're paying and or you can go with those. The roads are not Overall, they're okay. It's the odd one, which is a big pothole. Yeah, we drove one a few days ago and it had a 
distinctly bad patch i think we've got very used to worse roads though like the yeah. i look at some of the dirt roads that we try and drive down now and i would never have even thought about that in the states but now i'm like oh yeah be fine yeah similar to american the walmarts in mexico you can stay at pemex petrol stations which is like it's not a, a pretty one but you always know it's like guarded 24 hours with security it's well lit i think toilets. the facilities here are way better because of the price point yeah. i mean there's so many nice campsites and there's so many free spots and you could expect to pay like maybe seven quid yeah. for a really nice campsite. we paid 25 dollars occasionally in america it's like a treat 30 dollars. and i remember coming here and we were like we have now we're like we have to pay 200 pesos really which is yeah seven pounds mm. and they're really nice and like some places in baja there's you just camp anywhere. Every town has like a purificado where you can get fresh drinking water pumped into your tanks. Or garifons. Yeah, I mean, if you go on one of those kind of rigs where you need proper hookup, like a proper water hookup and a sewage hookup and that, then maybe not. There's but... less, but general there's a lot sites. of facilities for campers here lavenderias for your washing it's it's yeah. easy i think it's easier in america to live comfortably here mm. okay so today i'm telling you guys about fetcher chocolates fetcher chocolates is an independent female-owned business that sells luxury handmade vegan chocolate I've been eating vegan chocolate for years and nothing comes close to Fetcher chocolates. It tastes amazing and it looks beautiful. It really is the perfect gift for special occasions and something that everyone can enjoy. It's dairy, gluten and soy free, so great for allergy sufferers, but also for anyone. I mean, this chocolate is so good. You don't have to be vegan to enjoy it. There are classic flavours such as milk chocolate mousse and golden salted caramel. I loved the blackberry mousse bar with homemade bramble jelly and real blackberries. I'm definitely going to be getting that one again. It smelt incredible and it tasted so good. When I received my order, I was really impressed with the beautiful presentation. The colours are brown and black with a really classy gold logo and the packaging can all be recycled as paper, so no plastic in sight. Fetcher also plants trees to offset the packaging, so it's an eco-friendly choice as well. When I want to buy a friend a beautiful, delicious gift, I just go to fetcherchocolates.com and I get them a gorgeous gift that they will love. Fetcher Chocolates are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off with promo code VFF. Enter promo code VFF at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your order. Yep, that's 10% off. So go on, go to fetcherchocolates.com and get that chocolate in your life. You will not regret it. So Mexico is obviously rumoured to that it can be potentially quite a dangerous place in some areas. Um, how have you found it in reality? Oh, this is really funny because I always thought Mexico was like this super dangerous place where you basically get out of the airport and someone's going to try and shoot you because I think that's how <laughs> it's portrayed to us. Yeah, when we were in San Diego getting ready to go into Baja, we had like, it was two types of people. You'd meet people in supermarkets and they'd generally just start small chat and ask where you're going. And you go, oh, I'm going to Baja, Mexico. And we ha I always remember we had this one person in Walmart, a cashier, and she was like, oh my God, I'll pray for you every night that you'll be safe. 
And we we're like, and have you been? Is... And she was like, no, I've never been. It's too dangerous for me. <laughs> and this is Baja, so this is like the safer. This is like the American, the American safer of part of Mexico. And then you'd meet people jogging on the street, and we, we were like on parts in someone's driveway, and they were like, "Oh, where are you going next?" And we say Baja, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you'll have a great time. It's lovely." Yeah, in my experience, we've never felt threatened by people. I mean. We check routes and a good thing about iOverlander, the app is you can read reviews on camp spots and you can, if someone's had a bad experience and you can avoid it or bear it in mind. And you keep up to date with like the local news. Like we've, um, our friends like avoided some parts because there'd been a whole bunch of murders. Like it, there are parts and there are areas. I think it's and there are incidents, but there are, you get that in worse. London. Like, yeah, you, you get, get it anywhere in the world yeah. and it's worse in the north of Mexico as well. Yeah, the definitely. Cartel thing, but like personally, in our experience, we've not seen any crime. Um, we've never had a problem with I, anything. My first morning in New York, I went to the shop to buy some milk to make a cup of tea, and I saw a mugging across the road from me. And that was day one in New York, and here. No, apart from having some random guys in balaclavas knock on our window once in the middle of the night, and they didn't do anything other than try and pretend that they were police and make us give them money. And we it said was no, a little and disturbing, they but yeah. not. That was yeah. it, really. And we've had uh, problems with some corrupt police. Yeah, corrupt police are the worst. The worst than anything And else. not everywhere. Like, no. It's just the bigger cities. So in Baja, it was uh, La Paz and Cabo, which are That's like, a problem. And really then big. it's yeah. anywhere within maybe uh, 200 miles of Mexico City is not. Yeah. And even then, very rarely have has it come to anything They've asked it's not money. like where you're scared or anything i'm not like oh you're my more God. just frustrated i'm just annoyed i'm like yeah just let me drive and we've we've learned to just play dumb and pretend that you don't know any spanish and just keep speaking to them in english and they get frustrated that they're not getting anywhere and they just tell you to go oh that sounds like a really good uh tactic baja looks like paradise i've seen it on your videos and um the famous combi life they were there for as well and i followed their videos there it just looks so beautiful how did you find it there i enjoyed it i really did it's for like picturesque like yeah what you do picture on instagram like these gorgeous beaches that you can park on there's so many spots and they're all free but it is beach like only yeah there's basically nothing that isn't a beach so like yeah it's great for beaches but there's not exactly variety not landscape wise there's a couple of mountains there's a little bit but then a lot of them you can't actually access um you get a great variety as you come down from tijuana like tijuana's you you just want to drive past it because it's full of crime and stuff as you'd expect being right on a u.s border and then as you start going down you get to try all like the smaller towns and taquerias and then you get to Baja California Sur, and that's where a lot of the Californians have like immigrated to. And you get your Walmarts and your Costcos and McDonald's. Um, it gets a bit more pricey, but compared you... to other parts of Mexico, but it's still a lot cheaper than, than the US. Yeah, yeah, much cheaper. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, definitely. we again we met loads of nice people. Like before COVID, it was such a great vibe. You like yeah on the beach, and it's all like some of the beaches we went to there was like 20 like camper vans just parked out on this giant beach and people are surfing and like you sat around a campfire yeah it's really cool and it's i think it's really safe i mean we did it last night we went to sleep and we left the keys outside by accident yeah whoops 
and we did it in Baja. We left the door stuff open. open and... Yeah, I would definitely recommend anyone who who wants to weather of Mexico, but they're maybe a little bit insecure about the stories, definitely start in Baja and get a feel for it. You can yeah, start practicing nice... a little bit of Spanish and getting used to the lifestyle. Yeah, you don't really need Spanish in Baja, but no. you kind of but do it's like a, It's like your trainer wheels for traveling yeah, in, in Mexico. It's a beautiful place. And then if you like it, then you get the ferry across to Mazatlan and you can keep going then. Mm. How about your favourite moments while travelling in Mexico then? What would you pick out as your standout moments? I think the hot springs were pretty amazing. There's a the state San Luis Potosi. Actually, the hot springs, I think they're in Hidalgo. But anyway, we San Luis Potosi is beautiful. It's uh, mountains. It's all like jungle and mountains. and Thermal rivers. But yeah, the rivers are all thermal. So you get to this like really like nice mountain river that's crystal clear and you think oh that looks really great but it's obviously going to be freezing and then you go in and it's warm and they have all these um such a beautiful color yeah they have these they're literally the water is like actual turquoise from the minerals and stuff it's a very very pretty and there's some really really nice things to see there and we went to the one it's very famous actually isn't it the Tongo, there's a hot spring and you can go to the touristy side or the non-touristy side and the non-touristy side you can just sit in these like natural hot springs in the middle of the jungle on a mountain and just sit in there. Chill, <laughs> drink some cervezas. Yeah, it's really nice. That's probably one of my favourite moments so far. I don't know about me, like two nights ago we did a tour and we saw some bioluminescence like illuminated plankton in the water and we like, took out on a boat and was in this tent and you're swimming around and like when you move you see all like the plankton like light up and you're like it's like sparks in the water it's like fairy lights it's like you're a christmas tree. that was really cool apart from the slime <laughs> it's a bit slimy yeah. um <laughs> One of my other moments, it's a bit more simple, is it was when we were parked next to the river. La Playita. Yeah, we, because we we separated with our group for a bit because we all left at different times and we were together for New Year. Actually, I'm going to say change it, New Year, when we were in Tamasopo. Which is the same state I'm yeah, talking about. Thermal River, but we we finally like got back together after like briefly meeting on christmas eve and christmas day so there was us our german friends hannah and kiki uh yarrow our swiss friends and clem emily and lou a french family and the other swiss and another swiss family that we didn't really know as much. yeah <laughs> and we we did like a hot pot and like all made some food and we sat around a table together and saw at the end of 2020 and in typical 2020 fashion like like quarter to 12 we're getting ready to have a fire and do party poppers and it started raining. <laughs> but just that being sat around the table together. That was after, a really cool meal. After like so low like on Christmas and like only getting the Ruby back on the road on Christmas Eve to being back to each other for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And we had a really nice time. And then we potted off and did our little own things, catching up some of the things we met. And then we got back together and it, we were there for like four days and it yeah. was just perfect that was a really cool spot oh lovely that just sounds great yeah sometimes it really is just simple things like sharing a meal with friends and as we've all learned with this recent uh coronavirus situation so i don't want to like massively dwell on coronavirus because we've all had enough but um you were in um baja when covid hit how did that affect you it was uh, weird it was yeah because at first we were there and we were watching 
it all kind of go rapidly downhill in the states and there was a lot of problems and, and there was like a going... lot of violence and stuff because it was when all the food shortages you know like yeah had, you we know... saw it getting worse in england and it didn't wasn't really a thing it in, wasn't a in thing Baha. at all and then we were like okay we're gonna stay i remember we, we were this is when we were with like the big like convoy of like campers and i remember we went out and we had a night out on a sunday in la paz and we were having cocktails and we all dressed it really nicely I remember walking past the TV screen and there was like a Mexican football match on or something and there was no crowd. And that's the first time I was like, oh, it's starting to hit. Yeah, here. like, and then they got news that the US border was shutting and they all literally, within the space of a few hours, just went packed and up and they drove, drove like, like 16 hours, 20 like, hours to the border, two, like, a night and a morning to get back. They into literally the US. just went for it. And we were like, I don't think that's the better we, place. We did to like be. a pro and con at the time. I wish like, I still had that list. We were like, I what, would, what was the positives of staying? What's the negatives? And we were like, well, if we go back to America and we get stuck and there's violence and food shortages, it could get pretty bad. And we were like in Baja, the population's not that bad. Where we were, there was lots of farms and everything was readily available and still open. And we were like, worst yeah, case, we can find... They never ever did the stupid panic, probably because Mexican culture is more of a day-by-day day living. But yeah, they never had that problem we were like oh we're gonna stay here we can like, like purificadas for fresh ooh, water we were like, oh we can just camp on the beach we'll just wait it we out a fishing rod and a kayak and we we're like worse if things ever got bad like <laughs> apocalyptic here we could like fish and hunt for ourselves and which is a great plan and then covid actually got to baja and then they shut stuff down and we did have quite a few problems yeah, we, we, we we were near a town called Toda santos and it was really like was nice town but like very like american and the locals created a road blockade to stop uh just travelers coming in and tourists we were like right we're leaving this is like getting crazy and that's when amy we were saying goodbye to our friends and amy broke her leg and we were like right we can't we can't live in a camper van because we couldn't stay on the beaches anymore because they shut all of the beaches as part of the covid restrictions that the police would just come and throw you out and you'd be like well where can i go there's no campsites open there's no hotels open i can't just dump my camper van and fly home and like leave my cat and they just didn't care they were like go we hired uh, an apartment for a month with our friends Hannah and Kiki and that's when our friendship yeah we had only just really met them we both got kicked off the same beach by the police and then we we had like a common (laughs) friend Dave and Katie who had been met at the start yeah so we ended up renting for a month to let Amy recover so she had like a safe environment because she had a massive cast on didn't she yeah so she needed somewhere where she could get around easier than the camper and, and... then after a month we decided to find something a bit more isolated and we just and didn't really yeah we wanted something cheaper so we uh, met dane and sabrina the canadians had a ranch and it was really nice ranch in the middle of the desert view of the pacific sea you had great sunsets and sabrina had like her own little bakery and she made sourdough and kombucha yeah, and... it was it was pretty nice but yeah it did affect us for a bit and we just kind of waited it out now it's in some states it's fine like where we are now we were hacker it's fairly open 
we were in Puebla about a week, two weeks ago, and that was shut down. That's very close um, to Mexico yeah, City. As we got closer to Mexico City, more and more things were closed. And then you've driven away, it's kind of opening back up again as you get further south. But I do think we've really, we've had a pretty easy ride of it compared yeah, to, compared to a lot of people. So you can't complain about that. Okay, on the subject of kind of difficult situations and stuff, Obviously, you're driving in uh, quite an old vehicle. You've had two major engine failures. How have you coped with these struggles when being on the road? And what have you done to like keep a positive mindset and like stay, stay strong and healthy when things go wrong? I think the first one, it was hard because we were just getting ready to leave. I mean, Hannah and Kiki were waiting at the port and we were just saying goodbye when it happened. And that was really demoralising because we just spent three months waiting to go and it happened. Yeah, and then we were like, you guys just go because our engine has just literally gone bang. And I think them and our other friend Yarrow staying was really, it was really It was nice because they, they didn't go and they came back and, and they, they helped us with the engine swap as well yeah they like towed us around and they yeah they waited for us and it was really nice to have some company because just being stranded is pretty boring we we spent so long preparing this trip whilst at uni we like bought a house and renovated it whilst renovating ruby and all that hard work went into getting us here and we didn't want to throw it all away we did sit in the garage. I remember he like looked at the engine and he was just like shook his head like, no, this is not okay. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and we were like, okay, the options are like get another van, get a new engine in the van or go home basically. And I think we discredited go home within like yeah, a minute. We were like, option, I am not really. giving up that easy. Like we're both incredibly stubborn. Yeah, I think our main strength is each other without sounding really corny like we push each other to limits all the time whether it's climbing a mountain and we're determined to if one person's still going i'm not going to turn around yeah so that wasn't so bad the first time and the second time i think we struggled more because we were with a nice couple but we were just in the like this apartment just waiting for a part the engine was stripped and ready and the guy who got the parts he was like oh yeah it'd be like a week and it was a month and then christmas was coming and our friends had all gone because we wanted them to go yeah. we were like please don't and ruin we're like, we'll catch up in yeah. a week's time we're like don't ruin your trip again like <laughs> yeah we can catch up <laughs> we'll too. catch you up but then they were all like starting to plan for christmas and then it looked like we were going to be spending christmas by ourselves yeah, in this it, apartment it was about the 21st of December and we were like, right, what are our options? And we're like, we can either stay in the apartment and write off Christmas because it doesn't look like the parts are coming. We could maybe hire a, a car and drive and meet our friends and drive all the way back to Ruby. And we were like, that's costly and we don't have the money to do that. And then I think... And it started 20... getting a bit depressing and I think I was like, we were both just kind of pissed off a lot of the time. And then like, I remember we just had that conversation and then like in the afternoon I got a message from the guy and he's like, oh, your parts are here. They'll be with you tomorrow. It was like the final hour. Yeah, it gave us, what, two days to completely rebuild the engine, put it in the van and drive seven yeah. hours to meet um, them. And we got it we got it in and started it on the 23rd in the evening and 24th in the morning we left left. it was very last minute but yeah it was kind of hard to stay positive at points during that but again it's like you just spent all that time and effort getting it back on the road to then like a month later be like ah it's all for nothing let's go back and it was like what are we going back to yeah that's always the thing as well like right now I mean we when we were kind of a bit depressed about maybe we don't get christmas and 
stuff and that's kind of sad and i think in any other time we would have just been like okay we'll leave the camper we'll go home like we'll fly home we'll see our families at christmas and then we'll come back in the new year and we'll just refreshed yeah like have a little break get it sorted and then come back to it but then we were like if we fly home now with covid we can't even see our families so again kind of that probably gave us more motivation than we would have had it was kind of sad because we're like oh it would be nice to have done that but at the same time we're like well it's not like we can just leave if we want to anyway we kind of tied Mm. in yeah it's so like i had the same thing with deciding whether to come back to the uk or not to be honest i kind of wish i hadn't now but that's a whole other story (laughs) willow you you teach um motor vehicle mechanics correct yes so are you like a qualified mechanic did you work as a mechanic before teaching or um so technically i'm a qualified mechanic but i actually haven't ever worked as one so i went to college and did the qualification and got offered a teaching job straight off the back of that how handy has it been for you guys that um willow has that experience as a mechanic it's been priceless i'm not sure we could have kept going without it because when the first time we swapped the engine it was a swap so in terms of like a garage doing it it probably wouldn't have been overly expensive but to pay for a complete internal rebuild the guy we stayed with he reckoned it was going to be around two and a half thousand dollars on top of already having another one like we just wouldn't have had the money and it's all the little things or like the maintenance issues or things that are going that you can you You've got the skills to yeah, identify. Yeah, and there's been so many times you're like, oh, the bad. engine was miss, like the engine misfiring, and we were like, I mean, you can't keep paying someone to look at it. No, it's very useful. But I think I would definitely advise anyone thinking of doing it to try and do some Have form some of kind course of... or something so you've got the basic understanding of your. It's even if you home. don't do the work yourself just to know if you're being conned as yeah. well because you can never be quite sure what you're getting but yeah it's, it's yeah I, I think it's, it's the whole reason I even did mechanics in the first place was because we were going to do this trip yeah you and I said I am not driving around in something that I just don't understand you just qualified as a silversmith slight change of direction yeah but I some of those skills you learn it's all have, metal have right come, come in handy <laughs> soldering in like the rain underneath uh, yeah. ruby on the m20 yeah it's i don't know i think anyone who does this kind of trip like for a long time there's just always something is broken it's normally minor but there's always like yeah. even right now we're like we have a job we need to get done on the camper yeah. and so it's kind of really important i think what's it like for you working on such an old vehicle compared to like some of the more modern vehicles i mean it's not massively different really because the engine of course is not old which is probably would be the main difference when you were doing the work stuff like you know, exhaust, suspension, brakes, is all the same, really, so. I think the worst thing with an older one, well, especially ours, is the rust. Oh, yes, English weather is not kind, or Baja, for that matter. Beach weather, no. But, yeah. but in terms of mechanical stuff, it's fine. Simple. Yeah, not a problem. You said you both really enjoy cooking, so what kind of food do you like to cook in the van? Uh, so we're pescatarians, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We 
mainly vegetarian food uh, with the exception of fish and eggs and stuff i think we do a load of stuff i mean we've done a lot of mexican food since we've been in mexico and yeah we've we've brought obviously we got the wallace cooker so we've got two hobs there and we've got a separate like a camping stove and we have a an electric oven type thing called a remoska oh yeah that's um, a good which thing. you bake bread in so yeah we cooking's a big part of our life especially yeah, we don't being, really have a specific thing that we cook but no, we? being like vegetarian you don't just be like oh, i'm gonna like pan fry a steak and have it with some potatoes you put a bit more effort in to make something you have to make a thing yeah yeah definitely brilliant um yeah, I've really changed my style in the van. I used to think like I had to make it easy and quick and I just ended up eating like pasta all the time. But now I always cook like fresh food and it's really enjoyable. I don't know why I didn't do it before, to be honest. So you've been on the road for nearly a year and a half now. How has this changed your outlook on life? I think for me, I mean, I, from the age of 16, I was always in a job. Even when I, at 25, I decided to go to university and retrain to become a teacher, I was still working in bars and stuff. And then when I became a teacher, I was working very long hours, like seven in the morning till like seven at night with your marking workload and stuff and your weekends. And to go from that to being able to spend your life just enjoying it and seeing new landscapes and cultures it's a real eye-opener it makes me it makes you kind of question why do you what? really need to work a nine to five for a whole of your life like is that really Spend all that time working to pay for a house that you're not in it's kind of like a uh, like a well-known statement is it you spend all your time working for a house that you don't live in and then you all lose your free time you're so tired from working all day to pay for that house that you don't live in that you just end up wasting your weekends because you're tired and like life just goes kind of really yeah you kind of see there's a lot more to it and that maybe it's a shame if you never really get to see that like some people just never really we met a lot of people that. in the u.s and they were like i've never left our state let alone we asked them oh, have you been to england i've not even left my state let alone a different country and they're like oh do you want to leave your state they're like no i don't want to leave my state I'm like yeah i think it gives you you can kind of see there's maybe it's like <laughs> sounds so cheesy and <laughs> like there's more to life right than just a job nice house and car yeah and i think it makes you living in here you don't really don't need that much stuff like no, material that's... stuff i'm like i don't really care no, that we, much we've got very limited stuff and like you just end up because you're limited and so you're like oh i could buy that but i don't have anywhere to store it and then you start thinking but do i really need it yeah you just don't i think for me the thing i really realized is that actually most people are really nice I think in, in England, maybe we are a tendency to be a bit, uh, what's the word? Not so approachable. We're not the friendliest, maybe, sometimes. No, you, you had lots of instances when you were still working on Ruby and you had like a breakdown on the side of the oh, road. Yeah. One person, you'd phone me and I would be at work and you'd be like, can you come and help me? Like the, <laughs> the wheel's falling off. Yeah, and all I need is like a jack that anyone has in their car who's driving past, but no one stops to help, no one says anything. And I think as a uh, country, like we're kind of friendly when you get to know us, but maybe we're not outwardly that. Quite reserved. Yeah, we're very reserved. And we've met a lot of people here who have just, I couldn't believe what people, people have, have done. People for have us. like 
obviously come and fixed our windscreen we've had people let us into their house and they fed us and they let us into their house with their kids and then they go out and they're like oh yeah can you just lock up if you decide to leave and they just go and you're like i've met you for like an hour yeah like i don't even know you our friend in florida he we met him very briefly he let us in let us use everything insisted on buying us dinner we literally only messaged him through this app and then when we got around the other coast he has a house the other side he was like oh yeah just let yourself in and use my house you can just like live in there if you want use the shower and we've had a lot of people be very very hospitable and very nice to us and even just your everyday people just stopping yeah but we've had problems where we've been stuck in the like sand and people have pulled us out pushed us out stopped to ask if we're okay quite a positive thing because i think it's sometimes really easy to get bogged down and like everything's negative and you hear a lot of negative stuff but actually most of the time people are really nice which is quite a nice thing to learn you know what like i had exactly the same experience in the us and with people that I met that were from Mexico um I traveled for three months and I spent like 60 dollars on accommodation the whole time because people were literally just like come and live in my house and I'll take you out for dinner and this one woman she was Mexican she took me to to Walmart and bought me a load of clothes and was like here you go and I was literally just like I just met you in the bagel shop like this is crazy it's crazy what people will do for you it's just insane but it's so nice I know it's totally changed my attitude like it it's funny though because sometimes it doesn't translate very well in in the UK like if I see someone walking down the street with a backpack and they sometimes I'll pull over and be like oh do you need a lift and they're like uh no thanks (laughs) they're like (laughs) scared I'm like okay why are you asking me for a lift are you some kind of like serial killer (laughs) exactly yeah I think it's really nice way to be and then you try and bring it home and some people are just gonna be like (laughs) what are you doing totally totally so um following you guys on your website and your social media it's for me and a lot of other people I'm sure it's so inspirational and it just seems like you're really living the dream so what I wanted to ask you is how does it feel to know that you're living a life that people see as like really inspirational it's an incredible adventure that you're doing how does it feel like just on a daily basis like the reality of just being in the van every day and what's your normality is what I'm trying to ask I think for me this is the new norm now like yeah, it's hard because you do get people go oh my god that's amazing and then you kind of because we do it for so long we're like is it yeah i um, guess it is like okay we get we get we've met so many people who are like oh i really want to do that and we're like okay we'll do it yeah that's the like, one oh thing. i could never do that yeah. i'm like oh, i've got my house and my mortgage and my we've got a house and we've got a flat and in fact that's even better because we rent it out and it's what helps fund this and they make a lot of a lot of people who we meet who are like i'm so jealous of you i really wish i could do that and we say oh well just but make you, that leap but you could and like, they're like yeah. oh no I can do that and maybe it's just we're a bit like kamikaze with our careers and our commitments but like I think anyone really if you wanted to anyone can do it I would advise anyone at some point in their life even if it's for six months like it's kind of scary to give up those live things. in a different country try learning another language and like really put yourself out of your comfort zones and try things and see how far you can push yourself yeah it's 
it's cool like day to day is just you, you have some it's kind of weird how you adapt actually you just kind of get completely used to it like when we were on the ranch and like every night we sat underneath like a million stars in the milky way and in birmingham you barely see five stars and you just becomes a new norm you're like ah another night around a fire watching a west coast sunset drinking a beer with friends it's like yeah i suppose ah. you kind of get used to that which is kind of crazy but it doesn't make I, I it any less we've joked that maybe it's brokers and we're like how how could we ever go back to <laughs> how it was like obviously we want to go back and we want to see our family and friends again but then thinking like how do we go from this lifestyle to go back to have a nine to five job and we're like i don't think we can anymore like i, I don't just know don't think i could holds. do that to myself anymore i don't think that sounds fun <laughs> and like, i don't want to <laughs> have the rest of my life and not have fun <laughs> i don't know yeah i think it's yeah. gonna be really hard to come home actually mm. i can imagine There's certain things in england we're really looking forward to but, but yeah some overall just the work thing i'm like i don't want to work every single day and then sit on the tv and then just spend the weekend cleaning my house like that's not really no i don't feel like that's what life should be <laughs> yeah i literally shuddered when you said that i was like oh god no 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 <laughs> awesome so um so you guys have written a book the combi chronicles adventures in a vw the scottish highlands and it's it's only four ninety nine, which is really good value as well. Um, paperback. Did you did you write that while you were travelling? So we 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 obviously write blogs. Um, we wrote a blog at the actual time that we did as, the trip. Not as detailed as we write our blogs now. No, we had to do a lot of filling in. So we use our blogs as kind of the basis for being like accurate on what actually happened on a daily basis and then we filled a lot in and we wrote it while we were quarantining quarantining in the casita when amy had her leg break yeah we wrote it here our next book will be focusing on our time in france for the first time and we had a lot of problems we broke down trying to get onto the ferry and missed yes so that'll be an interesting (laughs) uh it's in the back of the book anyway yeah true Obviously, people, if they want to read about your trip, you've got, like you said, you've got your blog. But will you? do you think you'll write a book about your time in, in the US and Mexico as well? Uh, definitely. Um, I think we already have written a book. It's just currently it's just in blog in, form. In, there's so much. <laughs> so much has happened and talked about. I think, if anything, we'd have to... It, it'll be condensing it into a book yeah, it would be nice to it. have some i think it's a nice thing to do and i think as well for us we we do like the instagram and the blogs and stuff but no one i don't think there's many people like the our age that really write no like what you're doing with the podcast it's really unique because not many people have conversations it's we go we sit on a beach we like suck our tummies in and photoshop the background <laughs> and that's van life with a really nice caption and it doesn't capture that's not the genuine experience we always wanted to kind of show the good and the bad like what it's actually like so you have we have bad days and we have days we're really annoyed and upset and stuff goes wrong and i think actually i've had way more days like that than i would normally have like it's a real high and low thing yeah like you have the best time of your life but at the same time you're gonna have the worst time as well because roller coaster yeah it's very up and down and we wanted to kind of show what it's actually share like it. not like some perfect girl in a bikini lying on top of her camper van which i just don't really get no but okay <laughs> yeah i'm with you there it's oh god 
that's why I started this as well because I was just like come on guys this is not this is not what I I just want to like show people what my experience is and although I will say like before I started doing Instagram I was concerned it would be just constant bikini shots but I was like really pleasantly surprised to see that there were like kind of just normal nice people on there as well um, which I found really nice. (laughs) We have also on the road met some of the bigger like Instagrammers and you meet them and see how their Instagram persona and their real life persona doesn't meet it's not the same it's kind of a mirage isn't it Mm. that was a bit of an eye-opener no way so obviously we won't mention any names but so what happened did you follow them on instagram and then you saw their van or something like that or well we we met we met one part of them in baja yeah, there's another there couple, couple um, who are huge, and we like hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Yeah, we met one part of that couple, and just literally bumped into like Baja. You just bump into people because it's basically one road and down were, the whole thing. They were, and yeah, they just... only wanted to speak to us because they were curious about Ruby, and they were trying to glean what can I take from this and use myself, and that was it. It's funny because the next thing I was going to ask you is where can we find you on social media? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's said it up well, everywhere. Then. Yeah, we 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 put a lot of time into it. Um, Our name is basically this. It's like the Instagram, Facebook. We have YouTube, YouTube and the website, which has got the blogs. Yeah, um, if you follow if you follow the Combi Chronicles on Facebook or Instagram, you'll see links to each other. They they link in quite well together, especially if you go through our website, the Combi Chronicles. Yeah, our Instagram. Well, you kind of do Instagram. I'm not even going to pretend, but <laughs> and in YouTube, <laughs> which we are somewhat behind on. We're catching we up are, now. We, Yeah, we're trying to get some more episodes. We, did, we just released out. our first episode for our like entering Baja. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And then I'm the blog writer so yeah i tried to do blog as well but we realized trying to do the same blog about the same thing and everything i think that's one of the dangers of it though because some of those people that you meet and then they just kind of consumed by their need for people on social media i'm like it's cool to share it and i'm glad to have a record of it and you meet nice people and everything but i don't want it to be the reason i'm doing a trip is for instagram we're, we're fortunate that our trip is funded by renting out property that we redeveloped. It would be so stressful if you were trying to be funded by YouTube or something. Well, yeah, well, just... some, yeah, some people are. And then it's like their trip, it, they, they drive up and down the road five times to different video shots. And whilst I think we've put a, a bit more time into our YouTube over the, the first series, we're not to that point where we... I think it just sucks the life out yeah. of your trip, though, if you're like, oh, let's do that but let's do it again with a better camera yeah. angle. And we're terrible because mm-hmm. all the stuff that happens, it's probably really good for YouTube. We're just way too busy. In enjo- the moment. Yeah, enjoying it. The good it. and the bad sometimes. Like, we have yeah. a really bad thing. I'm like, oh, we should probably film that or something that really, really cool good. happens. We're like, oh, yeah, we should have filmed that too. Oh, well. But I don't want our whole trip to be about getting a really good video. I'm like, you just yeah. want to enjoy it for what yeah. it is. And, we and it's a side. record what we think is good in the meantime. Yeah, it's on it. the side. It's not the predominant thing at any point. No. Yeah, I think that's like definitely um, a healthier attitude. And when you're in the creative zone, you can do it. And when you don't feel like it, you don't have to feel. Because the other thing is like with YouTube and if 
if people are getting um you know funded by youtube i just feel i feel for them because it's like youtube are the one that are getting rich off it really at the end of the day which is yeah yeah there's a lot of pressure to do it like we knew another couple and they did get money and we go to a place and i'm like oh i was gonna do this online but i can't because it has no we have no signal where we decided to camp and i'm like oh well never mind but they would like freak out and they're like, oh, we need it. We need to get our video up. And if we don't upload it on the right day, we're not going to get the, the algorithm's going to be angry and with and us. And they're all like stressed and about it. I'm like, that doesn't look fun. No. Um, that's all my questions. So uh, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that I haven't asked you about? If anyone listens and has any questions, then we're pretty accessible yeah we we try to respond quite a lot and offer advice yeah we've had people ask us about like our electrical system and uh, yeah we did a, a van tour or recently. even just like about the how the clutch plate works for the gears yeah, people or... messaging us like oh can you tell me how to do this so yeah if, i think if anyone asks this question we will always respond yes so, and help the best we can yeah if we can be useful then sure Okay, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today, guys. It's been a real pleasure, and I wish you all the best for your future travels. Yeah. Ah, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, we've really enjoyed been talking, great about talking about it. to you. Um, really cool. Thank you. All right, well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. You, you too. too. Cheers. Bye. 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 So there you have it. That was the lovely Lee, Willow and Amy from the Combi Chronicles. As they said, if you want to find out more about the Combi Chronicles, you can Google them and they are on all the things. So now it's time for this week's bonus feature. My mum got her van back. Hope you enjoy it. In probably what will be the last update of this lovely story my mum Jean has finally been reunited with her long lost camper van so if you've been following along the story of Jean and her camper van you'll know that she had an accident and she wrote off her beloved van years ago and she had to scrap it as she couldn't afford to repair her After appearing on VFF's podcast, episode four, and telling her story about her travels in her van, Jean thought she would just take a little look at Gumtree just to see what was out there van-wise. And wouldn't you know it, there it was. Someone had got her van, repaired it, made improvements to it, and now it was for sale again. So she called up, put the deposit on the van, and now I can finally say she's been reunited with her van. We are here on Dartmoor National Park. We've come up uh, in convoy, convoy. (laughs) (laughs) which was fun. So, um, Jean, how does it feel to to be back in your long-lost van? It just feels absolutely words defy me. I've had a grin on my face ever since it ever since we arrived up there and saw it all parked and looking all shiny and beautiful and I just I just feel great. Just absolutely great. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. What's your immediate plan then? What's the first the immediate thing? Immediate plan the very first thing I'm gonna do is clean it. It really I mean the upholstery and everything's fine but there's lots of dust and you know, cupboards need cleaning out, and I've just cleaned the cooker, and it's come up all shiny and new. Yeah, 
where are you planning on going once you get it all cleaned up? Right, well, I sent a few texts off to let people know that uh, my van and I are together again. And uh, I have a friend in Somerset who lives on a field in the summer, which he grows uh, vegetables and salads and stuff for the farmer's market. So he's there in the summer, so I should go up and stay the odd weekend with him. And then I have another friend in ross on wye which is that part of the world. So I'll pop in and see him. And a friend in Wells in Somerset. Uh, I'll go and see her. And also while I'm in that part of the world, going to go to the Lake District. And actually that's in Cumbria, I believe. And Mary, a friend of mine, lives in Cumbria. So I'll go and see her. Oh, lovely. So I haven't seen anybody with this pandemic and everything. It's just been so heavy, heavy stuff. But that soon will be finished, I hope. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, well, uh, on behalf of VFFs and everyone that's been following along, I'd like to wish you happy travels. Thank you very much, Kat. That's <laughs> lovely. Thanks for listening to VFF's Van Life Podcast. If you want to write to me, it's vffspodcast at gmail.com. See you in a couple of weeks.